Thank you for your mercy to us. Give us wisdom and understanding. As we listen to your word, may we know you better, love you more, and learn to please you in all we do. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Sometimes people may urge or appeal to others to take some important action. At half-time, a coach might urge the team to lift your game. A concerned citizen might email an MP appealing for some important action. Or a loving parent might appeal to a child to behave. Now in today's reading from Paul's letter to the Romans, we hear him urging, appealing on behalf of God. So let's listen to his appeal. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Well, that's pretty down to earth, isn't it, to offer your body to God? The appeal not only concerns our body, but it includes our mind too. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, before we think about the nature of this appeal, let's notice to whom the appeal is made and on what grounds it is made. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, the appeal is to Christians, to Christ's, or as Paul says at the beginning of his letter, to those loved by God and called to belong to Jesus Christ. Now the church in Rome, to whom he's writing, was a mixed church. It was Jewish and Gentile people. But the same appeal came to them all because in Christ they were brothers and sisters. And it is the same for ourselves. There are differences among us too. Background, life experiences, ages, etc. But in Christ, we are brothers and sisters. And so this appeal is for us as well. On what grounds or basis is the appeal made? Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies. In view of God's mercy, or by the mercies of God, that is, by what God has done for us, given to us, that we didn't deserve. In view of God's undeserved kindness. The story is told of a certain celebrity who, after receiving a portrait of himself, was quite annoyed with the portrait painter, and he rang him up and said, this uh, portrait doesn't do me justice. And the painter went silent on the other end of the phone for a minute and then replied, sir, with a face like yours, it's not justice you need, but mercy. <laughs> now, brothers and sisters, it's mercy we need too, isn't it? But not because of our face, but because of our fall. 
We read in chapter 3, for everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet, God with undeserved kindness declares that we are righteous. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. And so, God declares sinners to be right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. Yes, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. The story has been told of a mother who sought from Napoleon the pardon of her son. The Empress said it was the man's second offence and justice demanded his death. I don't ask for justice, said the mother. I plead for mercy. But, said the Emperor, he doesn't deserve mercy. Sir, cried the mother, it would not be mercy if he deserved it. And mercy is all I ask. Well then, said the Emperor, I'll show mercy. And her son was saved. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies. In view of God's mercy, that is, in view of what God has done for us and given to us who were undeserving. Now, Paul brings out what God has done for us while we were undeserving in Romans chapter 6. So let me read it and let's listen to his teaching. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies, we'll certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. And so, brothers and sisters, it's not because of our merit that we are saved, but God's mercy, isn't it? Not our merit, but God's mercy that we have forgiveness, forgiveness of sins, friendship with God, family, belong to God's forever family, and future with God and his people where there'll be no sin, sorrow, or Satan. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies 
as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. At a missionary meeting in London that was focusing attention on India, a collection plate was taken up. And a student from London University was there but had accidentally left his wallet at home. What he did was to scribble something on the little page of his notebook and put the note on the collection plate. When he had finished his university course and graduated, he then went off to India as a missionary. The note that he had placed on the collection plate that day was the biggest offering anyone had placed on the plate. The note read, Myself. He had offered his body as a living sacrifice to God and the Lord took his body and mind and used them to serve him in India. A Christian lady put up a little sign in her kitchen. Divine service is held here three times a day. She was worshipping God in offering her hands to him for serving her family. Work can be worship if your body has been offered to God. Now in the rest of the 12th chapter of Romans, Paul will go on to teach about the outworking of this offering of our bodies to God by serving one another in the Christian fellowship of the church. Duncan had alluded to that in one of the slides, serving one another, but more about that in particular next Sunday. An Archbishop of Canterbury, William Temple, once said that Christianity is the most materialistic of all the world religions because it's the only one that concerns itself with bodies, believes in a God who became an embodied God and was made flesh and dwelt among us. It's the only one that talks about the redemption, the resurrection of our bodies. Yes, the Christian faith talks about bodies and also how God wants us to use them. Now, back in a previous part of this letter to the Romans, Paul has already taught us not to offer the parts of our body to sin, but instead to offer the parts of our body to God. This is what he's taught us. The death Christ died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you may obey its evil desires. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. So brothers and sisters, it is by the mercies of God that we are in Christ, that we are united to Christ and therefore have been brought from death to life. 
So we are to offer the parts of our body to God as instruments of righteousness. In commenting on this right use of our bodies, John Stott has written, that our feet will walk in his paths, our lips will speak the truth and spread the gospel, our tongues will bring healing, our hands will lift up those who have fallen and perform many mundane tasks as well, like cooking and cleaning, typing and mending. Our arms will embrace the lonely and unloved. Our ears will listen to the cries of the distressed. And our eyes will look humbly and patiently towards God. In another of Paul's letters, the first letter to the Corinthians, he teaches Christians to honour or glorify God with their body. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You're not your own. You're bought at a price. Therefore, honour God with your body. We notice how he describes our body as a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you. So when you look at your body in the morning when you get up or later in the day, you're looking at a temple, at a place where God's spirit dwells. His spirit dwells within you. And so honour God with your body. We treat and look after sacred places with respect, don't we? We get angry if war memorials are graffitied and so on. Well, our body as a Christian is a sacred place because God's spirit dwells there. We don't want to graffiti it in any way. Paul also says we were bought to price. How expensive a price it was. The cost was the precious blood of God's own son, Jesus. So we're not our own. Now when we go to a shop and pay for something, we might then say, well, it's mine, it belongs to me. Well, when Christ died on that cross for us and paid the price for our sin, he bought our body. Jesus died not only to redeem our souls, but to buy our bodies. We're not our own. And so, for we who are Christ's, it's not for us to say, well, it's my body and I can do whatever I like with it. You were bought at a price. Yes, but Christ won't take that body from you by force. Even though it is his, he calls you and I to come and give it to him freely. Our ears with which we listen, our eyes with which we see, our mouth with which we speak, our feet with which we travel, our hands with which we work. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. In a church service, 
One day the offering plate came to a little girl at the end of a row. And she took the plate, she put it down on the floor and then stood on it. When the usher asked her what she was doing, she responded. In kids' church, I learned that because God has been so kind and generous to me, I'm to give him my body. Someone has said, in the New Testament, religion is grace and ethics is gratitude. And now we turn from the body to the mind. What our body does usually depends on what our mind does and Paul goes on to teach us this. Do not conform to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. On a bright sunny day when you say walk into a picture theatre at first it seems dark but before long you can see without difficulty. Indeed, you seem to be able to see normally. Well, normally that is until you come outside again into the bright sunlight. Now, we who belong to Jesus Christ live in a dimly lit world where sin really is the rule, not the exception. And yet we are the children of light. And this calls us, I believe, to be on our guard lest we become so accustomed to the darkness of the world that we think it is normal and conform to its dubious guidelines. It's not normal. The dim moral and spiritual insight of the world is not the standard by which the Christian is to walk. The world may say, I'll pay you back for this, the Christian says, I'll forgive you for this. The world may say, be a fighter. Jesus says, be a peacemaker. The world may say, get on a high. Jesus says, it's all right to cry about your sin and the world's sin and God will comfort you. The world may say, it doesn't pay to be too honest but the Christian follows Jesus, who is the truth. The world may say, take drugs, but the Christian is called respect his body, which Jesus bought with his blood. The world may say, have a fling, but Jesus calls his followers to be faithful. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Someone has put Paul's teaching here like this. Don't be a chameleon, but be a caterpillar. Now, the tree-dwelling lizard, the chameleon, adopts the colour of its surroundings on its outside. And wherever you put it, it will turn according to its environment. Don't be a chameleon. In other words, don't let the world around you, with all its social media, colour, your character and thinking. Instead, be a caterpillar. Well, the caterpillar one day becomes a beautifully coloured butterfly. But its colours are not taken from its environment, but are formed secretly from within. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing 
of your mind. The world outside you will never produce the colour of Christ's character in you. But it comes from inside out as your mind is renewed. And our minds are renewed by the word of God and the spirit of God, by the gospel, the good news of God's grace and mercy to us in Jesus Christ. We are to go on letting the Lord Jesus, who is the truth, shape our minds, our thinking, our thoughts. There's an old saying, if we sow a thought, we reap an act. If we sow an act, we reap a habit. If we sow a habit, we reap a character. There was a second century ancient book called the Epistle to Diognetus, in which there was a description of the distinction between Christians and other people in those days. And that description included these words. They live in the world, but not in a worldly way. They enjoy full life on earth, but their citizenship is in heaven. I came across a cartoon in a Christian book in which two people who were drawn upside down were looking at a man who was drawn right side up. And one said to the other, there's something different about that guy. Above the cartoon was a caption, a true Christian is a person who is right side up in a world that is upside down. Well, brothers and sisters, by the mercy of God, we have been put right side up because to be in Christ, to be put right with God by grace through faith is to be put right side up. And this morning we are hearing a strong appeal to live accordingly, to live out our new identity. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. Now, interestingly, the word transform was used once the Lord Jesus. He was on the top of a mountain, Mount Hermon, and he was transformed or changed altogether in front of three disciples. The glory that was his shone out of his very clothes, and they saw him as he really was inside for that brief moment on the mountaintop. But transformed is also used once of Christians in the second letter of Paul to the Corinthians, and it says, And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. It's been said that you become like the people you gaze at. Husband and wife might begin to show similar facial expressions and so on. Well, as believers in the Lord Jesus who are gazing at him day by day with our mind's eye, we are beginning to reflect him and we are being changed little by little into his likeness until the day comes when we will be like him for we shall see him as he is, be transformed. And Paul says here, by the renewing of your mind. And then he says, you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing and perfect will. 
In other words, we will be able to discern and desire and do what is good, what is pleasing to God and what is perfect as we don't copy the behaviour and customs of this world but let God transform us into a new person by changing the way we think, then we will know what God wants us to do and we will know how good and pleasing and perfect his will really is. Well, friends, we have heard an appeal this morning, an urging, and perhaps in the light of God's word, some here may feel the need for God's mercy. Well, God is rich in mercy and he loves to give to the undeserving who call on him. And we're all undeserving. And Jesus told a little story of two men who went into a church to pray and one sat down the front and in effect told God how good he was. The other one sat at the back, beat his chest and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus finished his little story by saying, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. And I like the Pigeon English translation of the word justified in the Papua New Guinea New Testament. It is translated as, God, he say, I'm all right. That's great to know, isn't it? In other words, that man went home in God's good books, right with God. Yes, we've heard an appeal, a strong one this morning, based on God's mercy to us. And so may we all make a fitting, willing response in gratitude for God's mercies to us in Jesus Christ. And in the rest of this 12th chapter of Romans, Paul works all this out in the context of the fellowship of the Christian church. But that reading and message is for next Sunday. Shall we pray? Let us pray that our lives may reflect our faith. God of power and mercy, only with your help can we offer you fitting service and praise. May we live the faith we profess and trust your promise of eternal life. Grant this through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen.